0: Let's go! Welcome into the pod, it's Kato Sports, back at you with another huge episode It's Monday, February 20th, I wasn't able to get a podcast out last week There was just a lot on, I had a few personal things, there was a Super Bowl, it was Valentine's Day So, you know, had a lovely, lovely Valentine's Day with the missus But wasn't able to record a podcast, but I am super excited to get into some of the stuff today I'm going to talk about what happened in Delhi yesterday afternoon. I'm going to do a little bit about LeBron and Steph Curry and their legacy kind of going into the uh, All-Star Weekend right now that's happening. And then I'm going to do a Carlton team preview for the 2023 season later on. But at the top of the show, coaching matters. Coaching matters. Matters And what happened, the disaster in Delhi that happened yesterday afternoon just reiterated one of my, the most key points in sports. Coaching matters. What they rolled out yesterday afternoon, the Australian cricket team, was an absolute disgrace. It was a disgrace on so many levels, but the key level was coaching. Coaching and leadership. When you go into a game, when you go into a a, 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 a match of strong importance, a, a really of strong importance, we do not tour India very often. We do not get ourselves into a position in a game as strongly as we did. We were 61 for one with, a, with the better of the batting conditions. We had guys set at the crease and we went in with a completely narrow focused rigid unflinching game plan that was wrong it was wrong and for there to be no leadership in the locker room from any players and a coach that clearly did not want to talk to the players and say we're we're changing we're going to adjust on the fly this isn't working I know Andrew McDonald hasn't played anywhere near this the amount of test cricket as Steve Smith or Labuschagne or a, a lot of the boys in the team, Cummins, but if your coach can't stand up there and watch what happened to Steve Smith, which was the start of the end, and go, um, Steve, what was that? That shot. Or, or Steve Smith come into the locker room and say to the coach and say to the rest of the organization and t- to the rest of the coaches, guys, I don't think this, th- this slog sweep is going to work. It's not the game plan. I've, 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 I've gone out to a ball. I've played an uncharacteristic Steve Smith shot and, I, and, and the ball's just roll, skidded on. It's just kept low. It's, it's gone into my wicket. The same thing happens with Manus Labuschagne. The ball keeps low. And when the ball's keeping low and it's turning and it's a little bit unpredictable, playing a crossbatch shot is just saying, if I don't hit the ball, I'm going out. I'm going to get bowled or I'm going to get caught LBW. It, the fact that, it's, that we couldn't change is... is <laughs> it's a disaster because... And the, sim, the, the symbolicness of that disaster was the Cummins wicket where he's gone out. With the drinks break, with three minutes to compose himself, with the time to just go, okay, we're in trouble right now. I need to stay, I need to value my wicket. There was way this didn't happen. For the last 20 years, we have not had a team and a and, and a group of players unvalue their wickets. They everybody knew that you fight tooth and nail to protect your wicket to stay at the crease for as long as you can and when they bowl a bad ball you put it away but if they're bowling well you stay out there and you stay with it and you stay in front of it you use your feet you get to the to the bounce of the ball you have so many different weapons in your artillery as a, a as a batsman to not use anything other than this random sweeping and 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 I mean in some situations Reverse sweeping by Alex Carey and Kurnaman. Reverse sweeping. It that 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 isn't that is a failure, and that comes back onto a guy that does that shouldn't be the coach right now. If you're not if you're not telling players, guys, we we need to make adjustments really quickly. If your leaders in your locker room aren't saying we're making adjustments, then you're not doing your job as a coach, and your staff are not doing a the job. They. You know, Maybe they should be filling up water bottles or, I don't know, warming the towels. I, I don't know what you're doing as a coach if you're not able to communicate with your players and go, guys, we need to make adjustments really quickly here because this is crumbling beneath us. We are, we're in free fall and we need to hold on to what we have. And I understand that pressure builds and we, and we panic. And when pressure builds, that's when leaders stand up in your locker room. Uh, uh, Renshaw is, as, as Jared Waitley said, Renshaw is unselectable. He had one shot choice. I'm going to sweep everything. (laughs) That is, that is just a gross way to, you can't be a batsman and go into a test and have one shot. So I agree. He is unselectable going forward. David Warner has done completely nothing. And yes, he has been a great servant of the Australian cricketing community and done very well for very long. He is is unselectable as well. He is not batting anywhere near what we need to and not looking after his wicket. This wouldn't, I mean, as much as people like to look at hindsight, but this wouldn't have happened under Justin Langer. Justin Langer would have driven into the play. As soon as Smith goes out uncharacteristically the way he did with a weird stroke, Langer is, is is on him and saying, mate, what the hell are we doing? If, 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 if that was going to be Langer's game plan, which I seriously su- suspect it wouldn't have been, but if it was, he would have said, boys, let's change pretty quickly. We are seeing that the ball is keeping low. It's skidding on. It's turning a little bit. Playing crossbat shots is not going to work for us. We need to get out to the, to the ball. And we did do it. Successfully in the first innings, with with both Hanscom and Kawaja building really good innings in tough conditions by waiting on the ball, staying in front of it, making sure we're playing good strokes, putting away the bad ones. Because I don't think India, as well as it looked, they weren't bowling amazingly. They were just, but they were just. They just realised we had one one trick in our bag, and they were going. Look, if we put the ball on the stumps, they're gonna miss them, and we did. So, I, for the Australian team going forward, there needs to be bulk changes, and Cricket Australia really need to look at the leadership of the team and the coaching, and go, who are we? What are we rolling out right now? Who is who is responsible? for this one rigid game plan that <laughs> we just haven't put anything out like that in a while in a, in Australian cricket something so just rigid something that's not not we're, oh we're not changing in the middle of the game we're not talking to each other we're not communicating we're not working on the fly that that, that in, in no sport in the in the world do Coaches go in and go, oh, we've got one game plan and we're gonna we're gonna play our way. And you can have a game style and you can have you know ideas around how it's gonna work. But if you're not making adjustments, and in cricket you can make adjustments, that's the thing. It's not like you know you you can't make adjustments. You've got guys sitting in the locker room just sitting there waiting for their chance to go in and bat next. If your coach isn't going geez, guys, look, look, the ball's keeping low. It's turning a little bit. You know, Ashwin is is just bowling really at the stumps. We need to be getting out to the pitch of the ball, you know, and we need to really just lock in for a little bit. And, you know, there's no need to play extravagant strokes at this point in time. We're winning. We are winning in the game. It's not often you get put into a situation in India on the subcontinent where you are winning the game and comfortably, at the start of the session, comfortably winning the game, and we decided, no, we're going to slog sweep the ball repeatedly. I don't know how you actually, how do you come back from this? I don't know because the, the coach, his head is on the line and the leadership group is head because you've got Steve Smith, the ex-captain, and Cummins, the current captain, buying into a, what is a horrendous game plan. And they're not standing up and going, guys, we need to make a change. And you, you, you're you pushing these ideas onto guys like Alex Carey and and Kuhneman who are rolling themselves out there and making us, they're embarrassing us. They're embarrassing us. They're embarrassing themselves and they're embarrassing the country with this T20 random reverse sweep shots. Uh, I, there's going to need to be bulk changes made. And... We need to do something because we've got two more tests to go, and I don't know who's going to stand up in the locker room, but someone does because otherwise, we may as well pack up our things and go home. Uh, understanding the conditions is half the game when you're playing on a completely different wicket to you do to you have at home. And we just didn't understand that we didn't. We went for no lead-up tests. We didn't want to have any practice matches. We're, the coaching staff are culpable for that as well. Not giving players time on the types of wickets that we were going to play on. It's a failure on a lot of a lot of levels, and I, I don't know where we go from here. But it was a disaster, an absolute disaster. Every single man and his dog. Alan Border went on on air for Fox at the end of the session. And he looked, he was shocked and he was in awe because I just don't think that as a captain of a team and as a captain of a country and you're representing our country, you could ever be that narrow focused and 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 that unwilling to change and adapt in, in the middle of a game and that, you know, not valuing your your wicket. You don't, being someone who plays test cricket for australia is one of the biggest honors in our country and to just throw away so much time and effort and yeah it was it was a disgrace next segment because i'm i'm a little bit just shocked about the cricket but let's talk a little nba because i mean the game has changed a lot and i love how you look at guys like LeBron And you look at guys like Steph And they've completely changed The way the player landscape is But in really different ways So <clears throat> you've got LeBron Who although he may have not changed The style in the game He's always been elite at passing Elite at scoring Elite at leadership in the locker room So is Steph He's a leader He's elite lead on the court He's a lead at scoring But in different ways So Steph has completely changed the game in shooting. Now everyone shoots on percentage. Everyone shoots, you know, more 10, 20, 30, 40 threes a game. Your best players are expected to shoot 10 to 15 threes a game because it's a higher percentage shot and we're working with analytics now because people can make the shots. Originally, People didn't make those shots very often, so they didn't shoot them very often. But Steph's come in and he goes, you know what, I'm going to keep practicing, and practicing, and practicing. And now these shots are makeable. And now teams need to go after these types of plays instead of having, you know, you wanted guys that were strong and, and Westbrook types that got to the hoop and, and they worked up and down the floor. And yeah, they missed a, missed a few shots. and And, you know, they weren't as good on defense, but, you know, they gave you really good minutes with their kind of aggressive athletic game style. Now it's like, well, hold on. We don't need many of those guys in your team. You can have one one guy like that, someone aggressive, strong to the hoop, a LeBron, but you need to surround him with three shooters and a guy who gets up and down the court, a big man who gets up and down the court. And that's a Steph thing. He has changed the way teams have built and developed. Uh, and it's really changed the game of basketball. LeBron has changed the game in a different way. LeBron is now made the league a player-focused league. Players are worried about themselves. Players are worried about making sure they're doing the right thing for themselves. Looking after their body is important. People don't go out and play every game. Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. They miss back-to-backs. They just make sure it's about getting to the finals and being able to perform there, getting to the playoffs and performing there. So looking after your body, not playing every game of the year, that's, that's a LeBron thing, you know, not... Taking games off if you need to to make sure that you're right for the right time of the year. Jordan used to play every game. For many years, Kobe played every game, but people have decided, no, it's not about the regular season. It's about the playoffs. LeBron got to the playoffs every single year and he was primed and ready to go to the playoffs every single year. It's about looking after your brand as well. LeBron, like everyone said before them, Jordan was dunking in the dunk contest. LeBron, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not me. I don't want to get injured playing in, in some game that's not important to me winning a title. Now, guys like Ja Morant, they won't dunk. No one wants to dunk anymore. We got Matt McClung in the, in the dunk contest. That's a LeBron thing. So play, players are really focused on themselves moving team to team. LeBron started to go, hey, I'm going to be myself. I'm, I'm not really going to stick to anyone. He left, he left D-Wade, one of his best mates, said, no, I'm going to leave him. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to Cleveland. I didn't tell him. Big surprise for, for D-Wade, but no, LeBron's going to do his own thing. He's going to move where he thinks he's going to be best positioned for himself, for his brand. And it's changed the way it is. We've seen Durant and we've seen Kyrie kind of come out and Durant went, you know what? what? The best thing for me is to go... And win some championships at Golden State. Now, a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, it, it. It was you know, almost anti-competitive because he created a super team. And he went over there and won. And then Durant thought, you know what? Actually, I need to build my brand. I need to go and win a championship without him. It led to the disaster of Kay- Kyrie and, and KD over in, over in Brooklyn. But it, LeBron is now, you know, I'm just going to do me. It's about my brand. It's about my lifestyle. I'm going to move where I need to move to do what's best for me. And that's completely changed how how NBA is now. It's not this, oh, I'm going to play for one team and I'm all about my one team. Guys like Dirk and guys like uh, D-Wade and guys like um, Kobe who stayed at their team and they stayed true to who they were and that was what it was all about. LeBron's like, no, I'm going to move around. And I think that affected a lot of players and they thought, oh, I'll go where the championships are. And it's not necessarily the best thing. You see guys like Giannis and... And Steph, who've been like, you know what? LeBron's doing that and, and people are following LeBron and they're doing the LeBron thing and moving around and trying to chase championships. We're going to stay where we are. We're going to develop the players around us. We're going to build team chemistry. We're going to play defense, which a lot of teams, you know, they go and get a weapon like Kyrie. Oh no, we, we don't play defense. It's like, that doesn't really work. You need to have strong coaching. You need to have, you know, team chemistry. You need to be able to move the ball well and understand where players are going to be on the court when when you're out there and This, you know, oh, we're not going to listen to the coach and we're just going to do our own thing. It doesn't really work. So I think a lot of people are affected negatively by what LeBron's done, but it has changed the whole landscape of, of how people do different things. And I just think it's interesting, you know, you look at these two greats of the game in Steph and LeBron and they've had such an impact over the last 20 years, but in such different ways you know in how the game is played on the court and how people do business off the court it really is because of a, a couple of guys who are trend setting who are going out and doing things differently to others and then you see people follow and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i mean it's a lot easier to make things work with greatness it's a lot harder to make things work with good to medium so you know it is it is hard like that but just interesting to kind of juxtapose those two different styles and how they've affected the whole brand of, of NBA going, going forward. Now I am, <laughs> I'm super excited to get into, to get into uh, Carlton because it is just fascinating. It is the most, they are the most interesting team to cover. I am looking at their last five years, obviously no finals appearances, 9th, 13th, 11th, 16th, 18th have been their last five finishes. They come into second year, Voss. They have a litany of stars. Their brand is stars. They have the Brownlow medalist in Cripps. They have two years ago's Coleman medalist in Mackay. They have last year's Coleman medalist in Kernow. They have pick ones in Walsh. They have a pick one in Wiedering. Their ball movers are A grade in Sard and Doherty. They have a, a really good rounded list of of talent. I think you know their second uh, tall defender in Lockie Young is a really good player. He played a really good season last year. They've got forward pressure now. Silvani, as much as he might not be the most physically gifted guy in the league, he works his ass off in so many different ways to provide forward pressure, to give them a goal or to a game, to get them into games. And I was a, a skeptic of, of Silvani. I really didn't think that he was what they what they kind of thought he was going to be, but he's made his own role and he, he makes it work. I think guys like Motlop and always they're those kind of crash and bash forwards who's going to give you that surprise goal once or twice a game. And, you know, they're really coming together. They've got a solid midfield group. Uh, Hewitt and, and Kennedy and Chera as the secondary options to, to Cripps and Walsh with really good rucks as well. I mean, we're not, no one is saying that they have bad rucks. I think that uh, both Pito and DeConning are up and coming good ruck players. So when you look at a team like this and you go, how did they not make the finals last year? What is it about their team and their structure that they weren't able to make the finals with with such quality in, on, in so many areas? So, you know, I, I did dig into it. I looked at it. They started last year eight and two. They were absolutely flying. One of the reasons for it, they were really aggressive around the ball. They were hard to beat. They were the best contested team in, in the first half of the year. And they really did put a lot of pressure on teams because they won the ball out of the, the midfield first and they were getting it into Kurnow and Mackay with really good precision. And I I do think with forwards like Kerno and Mackay, you want that midfield who can get you those contested balls. But what happened in the second half of the year was They wore themselves out a little bit. Those real tough nut, real strong inside mids, their Cripses, their Kennedys, their Hewitts, they're a little bit more bigger bodied. And as the season progresses and you're running 15Ks a game and you're taking hits and your midfield is really getting battered down by the length of the season they did fall away in the midfield a little bit and they started to lose that kind of control they had. And what happens is if you're getting the ball into the forward line, but it's not the best entry, which happens a lot in AFL. You don't just get clean entries into your forward 50. A lot of them are messy. If your midfield can't turn around after that battering midfield contested uh, stoppage situations and then go, oh crap, I need to defend, I need to find my man, I need to find my space. If you're running a zone system, you will get torn apart. And quick teams, they will just push it through, they'll scrap their ball forward and they'll get it out to guys and then the ball's kind of tearing through the middle and you go, geez, how was Cripps' defensive effort? Or how was Kennedy, was he running as hard as he was off some of these halfback flankers and kind of quicker midfields of, of other teams? And you'll find that... You know, the younger teams that might not be as, as as game ready, they don't have that inside midfield nous, but they do have that speed and pace on the outside. And players coming through have skills and they're going to burst through. And Carlton got exposed a little bit just because of that big midfield. So I think the, one of the most important things for Carlton this offseason is, okay, we know we can win enough ball around the midfield, but when that ball goes forward, how quickly do we move to set up? You watch Geelongs and you watch Melbourne and you watch Collingwood. When they don't have the ball or the other team has the ball, Fremantle as well, they are un—they are unflinching in their attack on the opposition and pushing and taking space off them and tackling and putting forward pressure on the ball and making sure that there is no easy outs. People aren't getting out in space and people aren't cutting through lines of defense and getting it into You know, I think the back line of Carlton is strong. It's not the strongest in the league. It's got some good players, but if you can move the ball with speed through any team, you're going to expose anyone in the back line. So you have to have that forward pressure on the ball. So as I don't, uh, I really do think Voss is one of the better coaches in the league and he will show it this year. I think you can't be the best captain of all time, have the leadership, have the understanding of the game, and not be able to look at season one and go, geez, there's a lot of good things to take out of this. We're going to build on that into season two. I really think Carlton are going to have a good year because I trust in the process. I think Cripps is a very good on-field leader. I, I think that Carlton, maybe from a list management standpoint, in the, in the past have always been like, you know what, we're going to go and buy a player to fill a position rather than we're going to build around what we have and go to the draft and and collect guys. They've been a little bit, you know, kind of uh, trigger happy on free agents and paying guys big money. And then you go, oh, geez, did that guy perform? And it's left holes in their team because if you want to go out there and win a game of football, you need 22 really good players. And you want to win a final, you better have 26 good players because guys get injured. So... It really is important to have a rounded team. And they've been a little, oh, we'll go and get the next best thing and he'll be awesome for our team. And that's why they've got all these guys on big money. Like, you know, uh, Jack Martin got paid highly and Zach Williams who got paid highly and, and McGovern got paid highly and Chera's getting paid highly. So they've got all these guys who, you know, maybe are getting more than they need to. They've got the team now. They've got the players. Kerno and Mackay are too good to not be playing in finals. They are way too strong. Their midfield is too good. Cripps and Walsh, I know Walsh is going to be out for a little bit and that does hurt them because he is one of their hard runners. He is one of the guys that works both ways really hard. Going to hurt them, I think, early, but they've probably got enough talent to overcome at the start of the season. It's just have they got that team defense mentality for later in the year when they're beat up and their midfields, you know, had to run 15Ks a game and there's a lot of pressure. It's, it's will those, you know, mid-tier guys, will your Fishers and will your OEs and will your Kennedys and your Cherries are they going to run really hard defensively and put the pressure on that a team like Collingwood did with those secondary players, with those guys that people, you know, they don't know as much about, those... You know, Bo McCreary types who come into a team. And you go, oh, geez, who's this guy? Well, he's laying, you know, eight tackles a game. He's he's bouldering through guys all the way to the end of the season, opening up opportunities for their forwards to score. So, yeah, I mean, I am I am so fascinated around Carlton. The f- culmination to last year with that epic at the G. I went to the game. I I, I, I rewatched the game the other day because. I thought it was important to just understand. You watch the game, you go, geez, Carlton are a really good football team. They played such a good game. It's just, can they continue on and not lose games to teams? They lost a game late in the year last year to Adelaide that they should not have lost. And it's just a team like Adelaide with some, you know, young kids who don't know better than them who are going to run a little bit harder late in games because they're, you know, gunning for a spot in the team. It's those games that you've got to have leaders step up and you've got to close down. You've got to be relentless in in, in putting away teams to secure yourself in a spot in, in the finals. So big season to come. I, I, I just I love the way Carlton play, and at their best, they are one of the better teams in the comp. You just can't let yourself be complacent. The best teams are never complacent. Geelong don't lose games that they're not meant to, and they haven't for many, many years. They just don't do it. They take a team, comes comes to their house, comes to Geelong, and they whack them, and they go, thanks for coming, book your flight home, take the bruises, we'll take the four points. That's how they play their football, and that's how a good team like Carlton is going to need to go, okay, because they will get a lot of wins early in the season, can in the second half of the season, they put away teams the way they should. So it's super fascinated. I think it's going to be, it's, a, it's almost a legacy season. Patrick Cripps has been the captain of the club for a while now. He has never played in a finals game. He's, you know, seven, eight years on. I had a discussion with my mates the other day. Who's the best player to have never played in a finals game? You know, a couple of names came up. Trevor Barker, I think someone said maybe Hayden Bunton Senior hadn't played in a finals game. So I do, I'm going to check that one. But other than that, it's Patrick Cripps. He's the best player to have never played in a finals game. And I mean, this is absolutely their year. And I mean, I'm, i it's a topic for another day, but salary caps, we don't know what's going on in Carlton's salary cap. They're going to need to sign some young guys. to Conning wants a contract. There's guys that need contracts at that team, and they're paying a lot of guys front-ended contracts and back-ended contracts You know, because of how they built this list up, because I know they've got Crips on big money, and they've got Wearing and Kernow and Mackay, so... It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. When you build a list and you get everyone, you get all the star players, you've got all the pick ones, you've got all the talent, it needs to come together at some point. And this is truly Carlton's season. So, I mean, if they don't come out and... I, I, what do you do if they come out and they don't win games that they should? What more can you do? You built the list, you got the players. So they just have to, they just have to. Go out and just have a really strong season, win 15, 16 games, finish, you know, in the top four or or, or around there. So just fascinating from Carlton. Thanks for the pod, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Really am excited for this year in footy. What happened in Delhi was disgusting. I hope it never happens again. There's going to be massive leadership changes that need to happen, and we're going to hear about the fallout over the next couple of weeks. So... Thanks for listening to the pod. I will catch you guys later on in the week.